God is so good. We are studying through the book of Peter, the letters of Peter. And uh, I want to talk to you today about sincere love. Sincere love of the brethren. We hear about love in this world. There's so many ways people express love and talk about love. Deadly love. Passionate love. Uh, what else? You know, encompassing love. Lustful love. That is out in the world as well. Uh, but Peter says this morning, and I want to talk to you about our topic as we study through this letter this morning about sincere love. What does he mean by that? Let us open up in your Bibles in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, and I'll put it in context for you. Remember, he writes this letter to people who's dispersed, who don't feel the world is loving them. Have you ever felt like that? That the world's not loving you. You're seeking for that love. He writes it to people who is moved out of their comfort zones. And they might feel there's nobody who loves us. Yet in the groups they come together like we as a church come to together. And it's to them that Peter writes these words. Now if it's to them, it's also to us that he writes these words. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22, he says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, there's our word, sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, listen to this now, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted. Through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. What will live and abide forever? The Word of God. The most powerful tool that you will have in life is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The Word, the Word of God is living. That's a description of the Word. It is powerful. That's a description of the Word. And it's like a two-edged sword. This Word is like a sword with two sides to it. So if you want to speak it to somebody, make sure it's going to cut back. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. It's the discerner of the heart. And here he talks about it. He says that word will live forever. Maybe in two weeks' time I'm going to preach the last sermon in the first chapter of the letters on the Word of God. Because the word that he used for word there is the word logos. Logos. Which is the written word. If you open up in your Bibles in John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the what? The Word. It uses the same word, Logos. I don't want to preach that sermon now. I just want to give you an appetite. That Logos there is Jesus. But listen to this now when he continue in verse 24. He says, and now listen to this, how frail mankind is. Because all flesh, everybody say all flesh. Does that include you? Does it include me? Does it include Peter? Does it include Jesus Christ when he was on this earth, when he was in the flesh? 
He says, because all flesh is as grass. Wow. Think of that. Have you seen the grass out there that you walk on? He makes a comparison to that. Why is he doing that? He says, and all the glory of man. Two things. Flesh and the glory of man. This is what mankind do. They look so well after this flesh and the glory thereof. The glory thereof. He says those two things is as of the flower of the grass. Now, what happens to the grass? The grass withers. I come from South Africa and in winter the grass dies. In summer you work so nice, you cultivate it, you give it food, you water it, it comes lush and green and it looks beautiful. The neighbors envy it, but in winter it withers. You and I are like that grass. We, we have your time of bloom, of bloom, and then it withers, the Bible says. He says, it withers and it flower falls away. Now listen to this now, in verse 25, but, there's that theological word again, massive word that. What does it mean? It means but. It means a sharp contrast. Now that we see grass and we are compared to grass, but he says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Have a look at this. Bible study 101. The word of God. The logos of God. The written word. The word that's used here is not logos. It's the Greek word rima. Rima. In English, we only got one word. We put down the Word of God. This is what I'm going to preach in two weeks' time. The Rima of God is what? The spoken Word. You've got the written Word and the spoken Word. What is he saying? What are you saying, Peter? He's saying the written Word of God is what? It's powerful and it will last forever. But not only that, the spoken Word of God is what? Powerful. And it will last forever. How can we turn away from the Word of God, Glenn? How can we walk away from it, Anne? We can't. It is powerful. And it amazes me that people will read novels and stuff and all of this rubbish the world can dish up. But they turn away from the power of God. The power of God is the Word of God. And it lasts forever. Nothing will last like that last. He says... But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. You are sitting in this hall, and, and it's my heart's prayer that you are saved by the blood of the Lamb. I can't say it for anybody. The Bible says only you and the Spirit of God will know that you are saved. But the Bible also says that these things I've written so that you may know that you are saved. But this is the thing, brother and sister, if you sit here and you proclaim the Lord as your Lord and Savior, it is because of the Word of God that was preached to you. It was because the Logos came to this earth and lived amongst us. And that Logos opened up His mouth. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit comes and He made it the spoken word, the Rima. That is why we can still stand here and preach the Word of God and the Spirit of God do what? It quickens it in your heart. It is the Spirit of God who draws you unto Him. The Word which is the power is spoken into your heart. That's why you are sitting here and you should shout hallelujah to God. Now, 
Peter said to us before when we, when we say, and in our reading, when we look through this, he says to us, love one another fervently with a pure heart. He's talking to you and me, brother and sister. He's not talking to the world. And I, may I just say this, this message this morning might shake your heart, and I pray by the power of God it does. I pray to God it shake all of our hearts here. Every single person in this place. Because he talks about love. And he talks to the Christian people who were scattered. And he talks to the church in Karam Downs and to everybody who can hear my voice who call themselves a child of God. This is the sermon where you look inside of your heart and do introspection. You know what it means? You don't look next to you, in front of you, behind you. You don't look at your brother and sister. You look inside here and you say, Lord, is this living inside of me? We have to love brothers and sisters fervently. Look at this now. Before he said we need to walk in a living hope. We need to walk in holiness. And now he's telling us to walk in love. And he's speaking to everyone in this place. You know, love should be the very center of a Christian's lifestyle. That should be the center of your Christian lifestyle. Love. Do you laugh? I, I guess if I walk around, everybody will say, oh yes, I love. I do love. But do you know what it means? It needs to be the center point of your life. For your brothers and sisters, yes, for the people in the world. But you see the people in the world through the eyes of Christ. And God is love. Now it doesn't say that we're going to cover all sins and make sure it's not there. We preach the gospel because we love them. We share the gospel because we love them. And let me tell you the gospel offends. It offends. And if it doesn't offend anymore, you're preaching a different gospel. The gospel of Christ offends the world. And it will offend your friends. Now, love should be that very center of your Christian life. It is the center of our Heavenly Father's character. That is what love is. Let me show this to you. In John chapter 3 verse 16. Everybody knows this verse, don't you? If you go over Christmas time, this verse is in nearly all of the Christmas cards. What does it say? It says, for God so loved. Now, I, I just want to show you here. When he uses the word love there, he uses the Greek word agape. He says, he, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's why He sent His Son into the world. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The word again, therefore loved, is the word agape. And agape means it's a sacrificial love. A sacrificial love. What does it mean? It means to benefit others at the expense of self. Let's look at the verse. He says, For God so loved, agape, sacrifice, sacrificed, benefited the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. Who did that benefit? Us. 
Let's not kid ourselves. He sent His Son for us. It benefited us. Why did He send His Son into the world? To die for us. Christ gave up His life to benefit us. That is the ultimate love that you can have, is to sacrifice. Now, do the test. What can you sacrifice to to love somebody else? What are you giving? You see, the world sings love hurts, but they don't know what they are singing. They don't know. If you love, it takes something from you. God gave His Son, He took something from Him. Jesus gave His life, He took something from Him. You say you love people, you say you love your brother and sister, what is He taking from you? It is a sacrifice that you give. It is agape love. In the midst of these people's struggles, in the midst of their deepest problems, He tells them to love one another. What happens when people go through struggles? You hear them talk. Who are they talking about? About themselves struggling. Go test me on this. Go test me. If somebody goes through a difficult time, they just want to tell you whose story. Their story. Oh, it is so tough. And it's good to talk. I'm not against it. Because it feels we are all human beings. There's no robots sitting here. Super beings. We are not. He just said it there. We're like grass. But I'll tell you one thing here this morning, my friends. It benefits others in their times of deepest troubles, running away. Like my brothers, you don't have food. You've got pain on your stomach. It takes something special for you in your darkest hour to love somebody else. It takes a love which you can't explain to people in your most difficult circumstance to love other people and not to focus on yourself. Now, John writes about this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let's just take this through. He says, Beloved, let us love. What word does he use? Agape. I'll just explain to you that. It's a sacrificial love. He says, let us. Let us as a church, brothers and sisters, let us all love one another. For love is of God. I just showed it to you. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Listen. Listen. Everyone who loves the sacrificial love. Not just saying I love you, brother and sister, but it costs you. Everybody who loves that love, what does he say? Is born of God. Don't tell me you are born of God, but you can't show love to your brothers and your sisters. Don't tell me that. Look, you can fool me, but you can't fool the Word of God. I showed you before that the Word of God will do what? Last forever. That means, my dear friend, listen to me, that when you stand before God one day and you say, oh, I love those people, but you didn't show it, who's going to testify against you? The Word of God. Because it lasts forever. Now, this is a serious message. It's about love. 
But love was so serious to our God and our Father that somebody had to die. That's a serious business. He says, everyone who laughs is born of God and knows God. You can also say the negative of that now. Anybody who don't love don't know God. In verse 8 he says, he who does not love, in other words, is not sacrificial love, does not know God. For why? God is love. That is his character. When we get born again, what happens? The Spirit of God, God Himself, because the Spirit of God is part of the Trinity, comes and lives in us. Agape, sacrificial love, comes and lives inside of you. This is what you've got to understand. Now he says it there in verse 9, in this the love, the sacrifice love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. At whose benefit was that? Come on. To our benefit. At whose expense? At His expense. Love is a choice. It gives. It's not an emotion. Some people say it's an emotion. I fell out of love. You know, two people come together. Now we're in love. Six years down the line, oh, we're not in love. It's a choice. You have to make a choice to love. He made a choice to send his son. It's not as if God was sitting on his throne and just a feeling of emotion came over him and he goes, oh, this is the feeling of emotion and I send it. Let me tell you something about emotions. Today you might have that feeling of emotion. Tomorrow that feeling is gone and love is gone. This is not that kind of love. It's a sacrificial love. In John chapter 13, verse 34, I just give you scriptures this morning. Let the word speak to your heart. He says, this is Jesus Christ himself now, talking about this love. He says, a new commandment I give to you. This is Christ. What is he thinking about this love? He's speaking to your heart and mine. He says that you love. And what word did he use? Agape. He says that you love who? One another. Who did he talk to? Did he talk to the world? The world wasn't there. Where's the world this morning? Come on, you look around you. My brother said it a few weeks ago. They're sitting at the coffee shops this morning. Some people are so mad at other people they don't go to church anymore. Where's the love? Where's the love? Some people get so offended. They say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. Where's the love? Because if you say somebody else, he's a hypocrite, you're standing it and you're saying it from behind the same things. It is a serious message, but it's love, brother and sister. And here he says it now. He says that you love one another as what? As I have loved you. You sacrifice, listen, as I have sacrificed. It costs something. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. I decide that I'm going to suffer to benefit you. And now he says that you also love one another. He repeats it. Jesus repeats something twice. My brother, it stands on two and three witnesses. And then he says by this. Now listen to this now. How will people know that you're a Christian? The way you dress? 
Oh, he doesn't swear anymore. Oh, he doesn't drink anymore. Oh, he doesn't do this anymore. Oh, he doesn't do that. How do people know? By this. This is our Lord himself who says this in verse 35, John 13. He says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you sacrifice for one another. If you love one another. No other way. It's about love. It's about sacrifice. It's about giving up. It's about doing. It's about deciding. It's not sitting there and waiting for an emotion to come over you. Because tomorrow morning you wake up and you stand out with the wrong foot out of the bed and everybody's got to watch out. That's not sacrificial love. And again I say what he says. Peter said to us in this passage here, and have a look at this. Because this is exposing something about love in all of us. What I'm going to show you now. He says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren. You see, this comes out of the New King James Version. It uses the English word there, sincere. Sincere love. That is a positive word in English. Be sincere. It's a positive word. Sincerity means to be completely honest about what you mean. So if I say I love you, I've got to be honest about it. But he uses, in the New King James verses, he uses a positive word. So I dig out the King James Version because I love it. Because the King James Version goes closer to the Greek now. See how it puts it in the King James. He says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and to unfeigned love of the brethren. You say, why are you so picky about words? Brothers and sisters, this will expose our hearts. If you understand this now, sincere is a positive word. I don't like that translation of the word. I love this one. Because if I look back into the Greek, the word unfeigned comes from two words being put together unfeigned. The first word is un. It comes from a word which is taken out of the Hebrew. It's alpha. It's the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the, the Hebrew alphabet, the alpha and the omega. He uses that word there, un, alpha. It's a negative particle. It is a negative pretext. But have, hang on, see how this works out now. Because this word, if you use it, it contradicts the word it's attached to. It contradicts that word. It's a negative of that word. And in this case, unfeigned, it's connected to the word feigned, which comes from the Greek word upokritos. Un upokritos. That's the Greek word. You say, why do you get so caught up on these words? Because it's going to expose your hearts. Because this means... The word upokritos means pretend. Pretend. This is where our word hypocrisy comes from. Hypocrisy. He uses, listen now, he uses a negative particle pretext and he connects it to the word pretend. He says, be unpretending. That's what it says. That's the kind of love you need to have. You see, sincerity doesn't do anything to it. This now exposes it. 
This is do not pretend to love one another. See how powerful that is? I had a wonderful time. I was on the airplane flying above 38,000 feet. Open up my iPad into this Greek and I wanted to sit there and shout, Hallelujah! They wouldn't have understand what I say. But this is it. You see, he tests every one of your hearts. He says to them, when you come to your brothers and sisters, he says, unto them with unfeigned love, unpretending love of the brethren. I wonder if we walk into a lot of churches today, how much pretending is going on. I wonder if we walk into this place this morning, how much pretending is going on? Sacrificial love. Unfeigned love of the brethren. This is what he says. You see, let me tell you something about this hypocrisy or this pretending love. Our Lord was very clear on people who practice this kind of love. Let it be known today how clear and direct Jesus Christ was on this word that I've just explained to you. He tests our hearts again this morning. In Matthew 23, verse 27, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Hypocrites! It's the Greek word hypocrites. It means actor. Actor. Let's go back to our word. What is pretending do? Actors do what? They pretend. They take on a role of somebody else who they are not. So he says now, he says to you and to me, he says when we get together as a church, as children of God, let us not take on a role of somebody else. Let us have a sacrificial love that if I walk up to you and I say, I love you, my brother, I love you, my sister, that you know, that you know, that when I say those words, I don't pretend that. That if you want from me one day to do something that's going to benefit you at my expense, that's the love I'm talking about. See, you thought love is just an easy message. It's serious. He says, woe to you, scribes and hypocrites, actors, for you are like, listen now, whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward. Beautiful. But inside, right there where nobody can see, are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. You have to pretend outside if it's so dirty on the inside. Even so, also outward appear righteous to men, but inside are full of acting, of pretending, and lawlessness. Now again, again, I started off the sermon by saying to you something about what? The Word of God. You, no, I'm going to have my day, Yes, your wife is going to have a day. Yes, your husband, your children. Everybody's going to have their day. But you're going to stand in front of him and there is no place for hypocrisy when he looks you in the eyes. And you're going to say, oh, I love them so much. What's he going to do? 
he's going to call to witness what? The word of God. Because it lasts forever. Forever. Our Lord was very clear on people who practice this. He, do you think he likes hypocrisy? Do you think so? If you see what he said, do you think he likes that? And if you're going to appear before him, and you said, I laughed, but you pretended, what's he going to say to you? If he said, woe to the scribes and the Pharisees, what will he say to you? If you pretended. There's one more, Matthew 15, verse 7. He says, hypocrites, you actors, you pretenders. Well, did Isaiah say about you? What did Isaiah say about us? What did Isaiah say about these people who are hypocrites? He says, these people draw near to me with what? With their mouths. Oh, they sing the beautiful songs and they pray the oratories, prayers, and it sounds so beautiful and so noble and so poor. You can write poems about prayers and everything. He says, they all do that and honor me with their lips. But what? What happened? What does that theological word tell us again? But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Do you think Jesus Christ loves any hypocrite? A pretender? This is why Peter says, he says to us, he should not be like that. He says it here. He says, seeing that you purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, that you unfeigned love of the brethren. Let me just quickly give you an example of this love. You say to me this morning, preacher, wow, you know the Holy Spirit is touching my heart, but give us an example. Give us an example of a sacrificial love. Well, we all know this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not what? Love. And what is that? Sacrificial love. Oh, I can sing with tongues of men and angels. And everybody, when I do that, say, Whoa, whoa, that man is so godly. That woman is so godly. But what does he say? He says, that could be like a white tombstone inside dead bones. He says, if you do all of that, but you have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a cymbal. You know what he says? All you become is noise. That's all. It's just a noise. No melody, no structure, nothing. It's just a noise. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, what are you? You're absolutely nothing. You're a donut. Sorry to say that, but it's true. You're a zero on a contract. All these things. Wow. Man, when he prophesied, we all record it. He's on the top 20 list in the world. You need to hear when he. You need to hear when there. But if it's empty inside here, what are you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
In verse 3 he says, And though I bestow all my goods, listen to this now, feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have nothing, what does it profit you? If you've got not that sacrificial love inside of you, it profits you nothing. Let me say it again, a donut. A zero on a contract. Now this is wonderful. He says, now the sacrifice, the sacrificial love that we need to have, suffers long, is kind. The sacrifice, sacrificial love we have, do not envy. Oh, I want what they have, I want what they have. No, no. He blesses them. And, and you know what? It's not jealous. He says love, the sacrifice, does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not have rudely, behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Oh, man. Some people, you just got to be so careful what you say. Because, and they claim to be children of God. This is what this is all about. If you say the wrong thing, oh, that's it. It blows it. This is not that kind of love. They bear all things, believe in all things, hope in all things, endure in all things. And then in verse 13 he says, And now abide faith and agape, these three. But the greatest of these is love. What is the greatest? Sacrifice. Another English translation for that word is charity. Charity. Now let's finish this morning. Because Peter says there's three ways that we should love. Three ways. Now that you understand that unfeigned love. The first one is love without hypocrisy. That's what I just explained to you. In verse, again in verse 22 he says, Seeing that you have purified your souls, obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Do you understand now that word unfeigned love? Unpretending love. Now, there is two requirements to be able to have this kind of love. Two requirements, and he mentions them. Number one, you must have a purified soul to be able to love that way. It's got to be clean in there. Now, not by your own efforts. Purified means that you are sanctified. You are morally washed. In the Old Testament, what did they do? They killed animals. And they took those animals' blood and he covered their sins. And what were they? They were purified. That was a tradition they did. What happened in the New Testament? Come on. Jesus Christ came. My brother said it at the table. And what did he give? Sacrificially, what did he give? His body. What was inside of the body? blood. The blood that washes away our sins. This is the purification he talks about. Seeing that you have purified your souls. How do you purify your soul? You wash it in the blood of the Lamb. That's where it starts. Let me tell you one thing, brother and sister. You cannot love the love of God if you are not the child of God. You cannot love the love of God if you haven't been saved by the master of the love. He is the master of the love because the Bible says God is love. So if you see these, these streams coming out and you see it's not love, go to on your knees and cry out before him and say, Father, please search my heart. You remember what David said? Search my heart, O God. Create in me a new heart. Barah. Totally new. The second requirement to have this unfeigned love is you must obey the truth through the Spirit. You must obey the truth through the Spirit. 
Now, here's another thing. We might get to it in two weeks' time. It excites me tremendously. I love the Word of God. I'm just privileged to preach it to you. He says, you must, in obeying the truth through the Spirit. You see the truth there? What does it point towards? Who is truth? What did, what did Jesus Christ say in John chapter 14 verse 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever comes to the Father comes through me. That there points towards whom? Obeying Christ. There's a whole volume in the Bible about Christ. The truth of Christ. He says, and how do you abide that truth? Through the Spirit. It works together. It works together. Jesus said, I am that way in truth and life. In John chapter 17, verse 17, He prays to God. He says, Father, I pray to you, sanctify them. What does sanctify mean? Set them apart. How do you set them apart? By your word. Your word is truth. So how are you able and I able to have this unfeigned love, this unpretending love to the brothers and sisters? First of all, we have purified souls. Secondly, we obey the truth of Christ. Let me tell you, if you're going to try any way else than Peter says it there, it's going to be a hard yaka for you. Is that an Aussie word, yaka? Is that right? I don't even know if I've used it right. But anyway, I think you get the message. Secondly, Peter says to us that we should love fervently. Have you seen that? He says not only unpretending, but fervently. He says that in 1 Peter chapter 1.22, he says, Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Fervently means a deeply and an intensive love. That's what it means. Intensive. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, we find this. He says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Would you agree with me that that is intense? This is Jesus' words. Now, let me read it to you again because I, I caught you off guard there. Okay? I won't do that again. I promise I won't caught you off guard. I'll read it again and then I'll say and I'll ask the question. And you shall love the Lord with what? All. Everybody say all. Is that intense or what? <laughs> that is absolutely intense. How should we love each other? Fervently. Is that intense? The same way. Look, look, it gets better. It gets so wonderful. He says, with all your what? Your heart. And with all your soul. Is that intense or what? He says, with all your soul and with all your mind. Is that intense or what? You see, I didn't caught you off, off guard there. Shall I go again? It's everything. That's how intense it is. That's it. Now, who shall we love like that? God. With all your strength. Four things. Everything you've got. That's a fervent love. And now he says, the second to this is. Could there be anything second? Yes. Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Touch the person next to you. That's your neighbor. 
He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. So in other words, the same agape that you've got for law, it's the same word again, I just didn't put it in there. It's agape and agape, sacrificial love. That is an intensive love. Everything you've got. You see, what is the definition again? To satisfy others at the expense of self. There's three ways that we should love this. First of all, without hypocrisy. Do not pretend. For whatever you do, brother and sister, just don't pretend. You know what? The amazing thing about pretends, people see that. But they are too polite to tell you that they see that. And who's the fool in all of that? You are. People can see when you've got a mask on and you're pretending. People can see that. And they're only polite to you. You see, there's, there's something about love that I've come to know over my life. People see politeness as love. That's not. Politeness is not love. Politeness is a bad excuse for a child of God not to love sacrificially. I'll just say it again so that it sinks in. Because I see so much politeness. So much in the church of Christ. Politeness is an absolute bad excuse not to love sacrificially. Oh, I'll be polite to you, but inside I don't like you. And I'll give you a hug. No, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But inside, it's like broken glass and it erupts. And it's dirty because it's hidden. Oh, it's all right. Oh, how are you doing? You have to overcompensate on the outside to hide what's on the inside. How are you doing? It's just overboard. People can see that. They can see it. Who are you fooling? By just being polite. But you know what? Politeness for some people is just another word for hypocrisy. And my Bible, I showed you this morning, it says it right there that Jesus cried, does he love hypocrisy? Come on, you tell me. You see, fervently means you have to give it all. And then finally this morning, you love to love with a pure heart. He says it right there in the last end. He says, and, and find love. Love one another fervently with what? A pure heart. You see, a pure heart is one thing that only God can give you again. It is, it is the same as, you know, our souls is purified by God. Now, let me finish by saying this. I've heard this so many times in my years that some people say, when we do marriage counseling, I've heard this as well, oh, but I will love them when they love me. Have you heard that? Oh, but they don't love me, so how can I love them back if they don't? I, I want to see something coming. I just want to see something. You know, I'm giving everything here, and I don't see anything from the other side. I'll give you one scripture verse and we'll pray and I'll, I'll leave that with you to contemplate. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, 
but God shows His love. Again, there's our word agape there, sacrificial love. He shows His love for us in that while, everybody say while, we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He didn't write there and say, oh, I'm going to wait for them to become a little bit better. Little bit better. Then I will love them. Oh no, let's see how they respond to me before I respond to them. You see, when God sat up in heaven and He sent His Son to die on a cross for you and me, He didn't look at anything I was going to do better to Him. Because the Bible says, as soon as I were born, I went away speaking lies. I didn't grow up as a baby that I thought ever that I want to serve God. No, no, no. He had to approach me through His Holy Spirit. And draw me near to Him and save my soul. Before I could understand these things. Don't wait for somebody to be kind to you to give them love. Love them anyway. He didn't wait for you to become kind to Him before He loved you. So why would you want to wait for somebody else? That's not sacrifice. That is the opposite. That is the word lust. L-U-S-T. And it's not a sexual lust I'm talking about. It is a personal lust. Because the definition for L-U-S-T, lust is to satisfy self at the expense of others. Let that lust not be amongst us brothers and sisters. My prayer, and, and, and believe me when I when I saw what the Lord wanted me to preach this morning, I had to say, Lord, I need to love everybody in this hall like this. What will this guy give for you? Let me just say to you, I can't give you anything what Christ can give you. I want to look you in the eyes and I want to say truly to you that I love you. But I want you then to understand that when I say I love you, it needs to be a sacrificial love. Yes? Will you love one another like that? You don't say yes to me. These people understood it. Unfeigned love, unpretending. Let's pray. Heavenly 